<coughs> All right, guys, let's, let's pray real quick. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you once again this morning, Lord, just to thank you for allowing us to be in your house on the last Sunday of a year, Lord. And God, I ask you, Lord, that, that you open our hearts and our minds and just quieten our, our thoughts and our, our imaginations and, and, and whatever's going on, Lord, that we will focus on you today, this last Sunday, Lord. Please just, Lord, if there's, we could start a new year, Lord, with our focus on you and and are following you and are, are in letting you be our leader in our lives, Lord. I ask you just to be with this church and these people, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so we're continuing on talking about God. <clears throat> this is the God that, that we are supposed to follow and the, and the God that we're supposed to, to um, let be our leader and our guide and, and, and our comforter and our protector and our, our buckler and our strong tower and all those things. And we're talking about knowing this God, because if you're going to follow a God, you at least got to know who he is, right? You don't just blindly follow. Well, some people do. And we see the tragedy in their lives because of it. And, and we're, I'm on part four of this. I don't know how many parts there'll be. There's lots of notes talking about these attributes of God, you know, what makes up our God. And today we're going to talk about his omniscience, his omniscience. OK, <clears throat> and so what is omniscience, right? <clears throat> well, the word omniscience, if you look it up, it's a compound word, of course. It, it consists of a prefix called omni, and omni means all, or, or, and, the, and the root uh, of this is, is science, right? So it means all science or all knowledge. So we put them together, and you have a, a, a meaning of this term, omniscience, means God is omniscient. That means he is all-knowing. All-knowing. And here's the key thing about omniscience, just like last week we were talking about. But omniscience, there's no other being that's omniscient. God is the only one, the only being that is omniscient. He is the only one that is all-knowing. And let's learn about him and his omniscience. Let's start in John chapter 21. <coughs> John chapter 21. <coughs> I'm sorry for my congestion today um, I don't know if it's just the the cold weather or we visited uh, Claudia's parents yesterday and they have like a million and one cats and I don't I'm allergic to cats so I don't know if that's I got the cat scratch fever or what here so John 21 and let's look at verse 17 <clears throat> the Bible says he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? And here we see Jesus is speaking to Peter, right? Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him a third time, lovest thou me? Here we see Jesus asking Peter, do you love me? The third time he asked him. And, and he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest, here we go, all things. Thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. But we see Peter right there. And Peter was one of those guys that actually got to meet Jesus and spend time with him and eat with him and sleep in the same house with him and follow him. And he followed him during his ministry here on the earth. And he said, so he has a pretty firsthand knowledge of Christ, right? He's there. He got to meet him. He's an apostle. And what did he say? He says, thou 
knowest all. Thou knowest all, Lord. Thou knowest all things. Okay? <clears throat> Let's look at 1 John 3.20. And thou knowest all things. That would be what? That would be omniscience, right? 1 John 3.20. <clears throat> the Bible says, For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Here we go again with that. Knoweth all things. Okay? And, and what does this mean? This God, this God that knoweth all things, that we see here in, in 1 John 3.20, God sees our actions, right? He sees our actions and He sees our motives and He sees our intentions that are behind those actions. So your actions may be, maybe you're trying to do the right thing and you end up slipping off and not doing what God really wanted you to, but he still knew the intention of your heart. Was it right? You know, there's sometimes we do have the right intention and we just don't do the right thing. But he sees all that. Okay, on the flip side, you can be doing, you know, putting on your Christian face and coming to church and brushing your teeth and brushing your hair and coming in here like you're Miss, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes, but in your heart you're evil. He sees that. Okay, because God knows all things and he knows we see these two verses. He knows the things that are in our hearts. And that's scary because you can't put a mask on from God. You can't hide from God. He's omniscient. You can hide from everybody else. You can lie to the pastor. You can lie to your parents. You can lie to your uh, spouse. You can lie to your work. You can lie to everybody and put on a mask and you can act like you, you know, go out in public and, and you're as good as good as gold and everybody loves you. And you, But you go home, you can be mean as a snake or, or you go to work and you can be evil toward everybody at work. You know, but God sees it. You can't hide. You can't hide. Let's look at Psalms 39, 139, I'm sorry. Psalms 139. I was reviewing the lesson this morning and rereading all the verses and I got this one verse and I was like, oh, I, I, this is the wrong verse. It's the wrong verse. And I, I was flustered. I couldn't. And then I realized oh, I'm in the wrong book. That's why it's the wrong verse. Let's look at Psalms 139 verse 6. <clears throat> 139 verse 6, the Bible says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Okay, what is the knowledge you're talking about here? David's talking about the, the knowledge of God is too high for us. Okay, our knowledge is here. His is way up there. There's not even, there's not even a comparison on his knowledge and our knowledge. Because what we know, the things we know, when we get born, our parents start teaching us. And then unfortunately, TV teaches us and radio teaches us and people at school teach us. And as we get older, people at work teach us and friends we hang out with. And hopefully you get into a good church and people at church teach you and your pastor teaches you, right? You're building your knowledge. God doesn't have to build his knowledge. He has everything. Okay. He's omniscient. Let's look at Psalms 147. 147, 5. <clears throat> great, great is our Lord and of great power. Here we go. His understanding is infinite. That means it's innumerable. It cannot be counted. It cannot be measured. God's understanding, God's knowledge cannot be measured. Now we can't understand that. 
I can throw a tape measure on something and pull it out and tell you how many feet long it is or how wide it is or how deep it is. I can measure that and I can, my, mind, my little mind can fathom that. But if you told me something's immeasurable, I can't get that. We can't understand that. But yet we have to accept it. God is, his knowledge is not able to be measured. Okay? Let's look at Isaiah 55, 8. Isaiah 55, 8. You think of all the other gods in the world that, that have born and died, and they're still in a hole somewhere, right? How was their knowledge? They were just like us. They were born. They started learning at birth, right? All of them. But not this one. This is the different. This is the one true holy God. 55, 8 and 9. Let's read that. The Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Just stop right there a second. So he starts off with my thoughts. That's God's thoughts are not your thoughts, right? But then he flips it. He says, your ways, he puts us first, are not my ways. It's kind of, just keep that in mind for a second. So, and then the verse 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay? So as far as heaven is from the earth, and here's the thing, he's talking about the third heaven, the heaven where God the Father sits. We don't have no idea where it's at. We can't even reach that. We can't see it. We don't know where it's at. That's how far above his thoughts are above our thoughts, right? And he put, he flipped that there. He flipped it in talking about his thoughts because his thoughts are so high that they're not like our lowly thoughts, right? But then he said, your ways. Why do he say your ways first? Because think about it. We rebel against God every day in our ways because we put ourselves first above God. So his ways are not our ways, right? So let's look at, let's keep looking about this God. Romans uh, 11.33. <clears throat> Romans 11.33. Romans 11, verse 33, the Bible says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Okay, that's deep, right? But look at it. It says not only God's wisdom and his knowledge, both of them, they're completely unsearchable to us. His judgments we can't understand. And his ways we can't even fathom. They're so much greater than us. He's complete. He's infinite. We're not. We're, our knowledge is tiny. Okay? But he's so much ahead of us, right? Because he's what? Omniscient. He's omniscient, you know? <clears throat> and let's look at, they were talking about these verses we just read. This is God's understanding. This is God's wisdom. This is it, it, everything he's got. His, his, his thoughts, his ways, his judgments. They're all infinite, infinite. And let's look at Job. Not only is he infinite, let's look at some other stuff. Let's look at Job chapter 37. Job chapter 37. 
And let's actually re start reading in verse 14. Job 37 and verse 14 to 16. <clears throat> the Bible says, Hearken unto this, O Job, stand still. And that's what we, we might need to do sometimes. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. How often have you done that? How long have you just stopped and stood still and considered the wondrous works of God? How often do we do that in our lives? Maybe we need to do it more. I know this past week I was up in the country and 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 our little property and working and, and I took a moment and I walked in the afternoon and I walked out and just sat down in the woods and just sat there and I prayed and just sat there and it was so quiet and peaceful I thought look at the wonderful works of God how often do you do that are we just so busy with our lives we don't even think about him that's a side note so let's get back to what we're supposed to be reading verse 15 says Dost thou know when God disposed them and caused the light of his cloud to shine? Dost thou know the balancing, uh, balance, balancings of the clouds and the wondrous works of him, which is perfect in knowledge? Perfect in knowledge. So Job's talking, what he's talking about there is, look at the things God's created. We don't know how the clouds do what they do. We don't know how the earth stays on its axis. We don't even know how the planets and the stars all stay where they're supposed to be and not just collide into a, a mass mess, right? We can't understand so much. And every year science gets a little bit deeper. And we, Oh, we discovered a new atom or we discovered this or we discovered that. Well, God already knew that because he made it. He's way ahead of us, right? Because God's knowledge is perfect. So God's knowledge is infinite, but God's knowledge is perfect. That's awesome, right? Let's keep looking. So God has all knowledge. And, and because of this, what is it? Because he has all knowledge, his source of all knowledge is given to mankind. So everything we know, everything we can learn is by God. He's already there. All the science books we read, all the math problems we learn coming up, all the, 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 the things that we learn that make us who we are, our very essence, God already knew all that. He knew one plus one equals two. Even though some people like to flip it and say one plus one equals five and they like to mess with you. Okay, God knew that's not right. He knew that. He gave us this knowledge, you know. He, you think about the animals in the, in the animal kingdom and the fish and in the, in the, in the water and the birds in the air. You know, they can't add and subtract, but God gave them knowledge. You know, they know, they know to get out of the rain when sometimes we don't. You know, you look at the, the squirrels right now. You know, the acorns just dropped a few weeks ago. Man, they were packing them in. Why? Because God told them, you need to pack some food because winter's coming. You know? Look at the ants, how smart they are compared to us. We're fools compared to some of the, the creatures that God created. But God gave them that knowledge, right? Let's look at Isaiah 40. <clears throat> Isaiah 40, verse 13. 40, verse 13 through 14. The Bible says, Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and who and, and, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding? So these questions that we're being brought forth is who taught God, right? Nobody. 
You could flip that and say, who taught you this and who taught you that and who taught you this and who taught you that? And we could, under, we could probably answer that one, right? Somebody taught you, like your third grade teacher taught you. My third grade teacher taught me a lot because she paddled me a lot. She paddled me from kindergarten all the way to sixth grade because she was a paddler, you know? But who taught God, right? Well, God, here, here's the thing. God is the only being, and understand this, the only being that is independent from creation. He was not created. He is the creator, okay? So he was, and there was nothing else. And that's a hard concept to, to wrap your head around. But he was, and then he spoke a word, and everything else appeared. See, he's the only being independent from creation, right? God does not learn. There's the key right there. He does not learn. He does not need to be taught anything. He has always known everything. Okay? Here's the key, though. God has always known everything past present and future that's omniscience okay god's omniscience is instantaneous god's omniscience is invisible and god's omniscience is all inclusive we can't see it it's always been there and it covers everything right god does not need memory OK, like I have I know I have short term memory loss, maybe long term memory loss. I don't know. Claudia tell me, hey, you know, uh, we'll be driving down the road. Oh, man, let's go to that restaurant. She goes, we went there before. Really? <laughs> we'll go there again. It's new to me, <laughs> you know. Um, but God doesn't have that problem, does he? He doesn't need memory or he doesn't need the ability to see things before they happen because he already knows what's going to happen. Right. He's so complete, he's already there. He already knows what's going to happen. He knows what happened in the past. He knows what's happening today. He considers every aspect and he considers all possibilities. Think about that. You know, we have all these supercomputers that supposedly can do everything. God's way ahead of those. He's so far ahead of them. And God already knows what will happen as well as what could happen. I can't even, I, just trying to think about that. I can't wrap my head around that. That's hard, you know, but that's God. That's omniscience, okay? Let's look at 1 Samuel 23. <clears throat> 1 Samuel 23, and let's see some, some uh, examples of this omniscience. 1 Samuel chapter 23, and this is old King David and, and Saul having their problems, right? They're having their disagreements. 1 Samuel 23 now let's read 10 through 13. We know all the story of David, right? Saul got jealous, wanted to kill David, started hunting him, right? Hunted him for a while, tried to kill him. Didn't get there, right? 1 Samuel 23, 10 through 13, the Bible says, <clears throat> Then said David, O Lord God of Israel. Who's he talking to? He's talking to that God that created everything right there. Not any other God. Thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Kaliah to destroy the city for my sake. Okay, so David's telling God, God, I know, I heard that Saul's coming here and he's hunting me and he's going to kill, wipe out this whole city to find me. Okay, says, will the men of Kaliah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? 
O God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then said David, will the men of Kalea deliver me and my men unto the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver thee up. Wow. Then David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Kalea um, and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Kalea and he forbear to go forth. So here's David and his men hiding in a city. He hears that Saul's coming with his army. And he already heard that Saul is going to wipe out this entire city to find him. He's going to kill every man, woman, and child in the city. He's going to kill all of, Saul's, uh, all, all of David's men that are with him. And then he'll kill David. So David has this information. Well, he didn't start getting on the gossip chain, did he? Did he get on Instagram or Facebook or, or, or I don't know what all the, what is, I don't know what we use. He didn't get on social media and start oh, asking his friends. He didn't get on the phone and start texting or calling. No, he got on his knees and prayed to God. God, I have two questions. Is Saul coming to the city? And God said, yep, he's coming. Because God saw what was going to happen in the future, right? He saw a consequence that was going to happen, right? And then he said, David said, and are the men of the city going to give me up? Oh, yeah, they're going to throw you out, buddy. When, when their city's threatened, they're, they're going to dump you out in the street for him. So God saw the consequence that could happen, right? And what, is, what did David do? Did he believe God? He did. He got up and got out of there, right? So David, because he listened to God... In his omniscience, David saved himself, his men, and that whole city. Saul didn't go. That's omniscience. We'd call that, uh, you know, fortune telling, right? You go, somebody has a little crystal ball, I guess, or the crazy little cards they have. They can't tell the future. They're playing with spirits. Okay? But we see, here we see that Saul was hunting David, like I said, with his men. And, and God, I mean, David goes to God. And God tells him exactly what's going to happen, guys. That's omniscience. And, and that because of God's omniscience, look at all the people that were spared. Right? Let's look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Let's see some more of God's omniscience here. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 20. 20 through 24. I'm sorry. Yeah, 20 through 24 is what I want to read. <clears throat> chapter 11, 20 through 24, the Bible says, Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazon! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been, had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. What do we see here? We see Jesus is telling the people of these cities. These cities where God, Jesus did most of his miracles. Okay, he did tons of miracles in these cities, yet they didn't believe him. How could you witness Jesus Christ doing miracles 
and still turn away. But they did. It's just like the Christians today. How can you sit in Sunday school and in church and hear a sermon and hear a lesson about God in your life and walk out those doors and not change? What is wrong with you? It's exactly what Jesus was saying here. What is wrong with you? I did these miracles in your cities. If I had done those in Tyre and Sidon, those cities would have, would have repented, but you don't. Christian, if you're sitting in a sermon and it's pricking at your heart, why don't you change your ways? Right? And he says, because of these cities that, that were done, these miracles were done with you, and because you repented not, he said, it's going to be worse for you in the end days than these evil cities. And we know what Sodom and Gomorrah was, right? Sodom was pure evil. But he said, it'd be better for that city than these cities that saw my miracles and repented not. That's omniscience. He knows what's coming. You know? So what about you, Christian? If you're sitting in here and, and you're listening to a sermon, or you're listening to a Sunday school lesson, and it's something that deals, God's dealing with you, maybe he's made that sermon just for you. And you can harden your heart and walk away from it and not change. Oh, what did he do to those cities? It might be worse for you in that day of judgment, right? You can't sit in here and, and hear, hear God's word and, and not change and not get saved. Some people walk out. Right. So what are some things that God knows through his omniscience? Let's look at these. Let's look at Psalms 147. Psalms 147. 147 verse four, the Bible says, he telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Every star has a name and God knows it because he created them. He gave them the names. Right. It's kind of kind of uh, his prerogative. Let's look at Isaiah 40, just so we can solidify this a little bit. Isaiah 40, 26, the Bible says, lift up your eyes on high and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number? He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power. No one faileth. Okay. What are we talking about? We're talking about the number of the stars. God knows how many stars there are, and he has a name for each and every one of them. You know, I don't know how the Teagues have each a number for each one of their kids. I couldn't remember them. I can't remember our kids' names. Growing up, because Claudia got in this kick, she named them all with a J. You know, J, George, Joseph, Jordan. I'm just like, J -j -j come here. God knows the name of every single star. Think about this. Have you ever laid out at night and looked up and looked at the stars, how beautiful they are? That's God's handiwork. But how many do we see? Okay, well, let's look at this. So in 1900, we could only see our galaxy. And we thought that was the end of the world, right? Thought that was it. Well, times change. And in the 1950s, we could see farther. And science estimated that we found the end of the universe. They said there was 100 billion stars. So God can name 100 billion stars and name them. Well, guess what? Today, technology's got better. We've seen farther. Now we think we can see somewhere near the end of the universe. We know it's got to be the end because we're so great, right? Now they say there's 200 billion trillion stars. That's a number I can't count. 200 billion trillion 
And of those 200 billion trillion, God has named every single one because he created every single one. That is omniscience, okay? Matthew 10.30. Here's another one that's just staggering. <clears throat> staggering for some of you, maybe. Maybe not for Mark. Matthew 10.30. You get it, right? Matthew 10.30, Jesus says, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Who are they numbered by? By God. God knows the number of the hairs on your head because he numbers each and every one. So when my wife takes a shower and she says, My hair is falling out, he knew how many hairs just fell out, Right? He knows. And here's the, here's the cool thing about this. You think about it. Just think about this number. We're talking about stars. Now we're talking about hairs on a head, right? So it has been estimated that the number of the hairs on the average red head is 80,000. I don't know why. Maybe they have thicker hair. The average brunette has 100,000. Okay? Maybe their hair is a little bit not as thick as the redheads, right? On the average blonde, there's 120,000 hairs. Now, you can insert your own joke there, but that's funny, right? So think about that. That's a lot of hair. So most people in this auditorium have about 100,000 hairs, except for the men probably. We're missing a few, right? Mama, you're blonde. Sorry. So in 2021, there was 7.888 billion people in the world. Do that number times all those hairs. And God has numbered every single one. Okay? That's omniscience. Right? Let's look at Psalms 139. Psalms 139. Do you believe he's omniscient yet? You should. So now my wife's going to be at home praying tonight. God, could you number more hairs on my head? Grow them back. Psalms 139, and let's read 1 through 4. The Bible says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou hast known my downsittings and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth passeth my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. So God knows when we lay down, God knows when we get up, he knows even our distant thoughts. God knows what we're going to do, where we're going to go, and where we came from. He knows all our motives. He knows everything we have ever said. He knows everything we are going to say, even before the words leave our mouth. That's omniscience. Deuteronomy 31 Deuteronomy 31. Keep these in mind. I want you, because it's going to come to a point. I want you all to see this. Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy 31, 21. The Bible says, And it shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are befallen them, 
that the song shall testify against them as a witness, for it shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed. For I know their imaginations. Here's scariness, right? I know their imaginations which they go about. Even now, before I have brought them into the land, which I swear, right? This is the Israelites, right? So God knew. God knows everything. He knew their imaginations and he knew their behavior. And that's why they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. A trip that should have taken them about a week. 40 years because they were disobedient. God knew. He knows your imaginations Long before it's even in your mind. Think about that. So when you were born, he knew the imagination you would be thinking today. Back then. That's omniscience. That is omniscience. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. This is the one that threw me. I couldn't find it because I was in 2 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 39. The Bible says, Then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive, and do, and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest, whose heart thou knowest. For thou, even thou only, knowest the hearts of all the children of men. God knows every heart on this earth at one time. He doesn't have to go from my heart to your heart to your heart to your heart. No, he knows them all at the same time. Wow. So if you're sitting there listening to me and you're thinking you're stupid, he knows that. Right? He also knows if you're sitting there thinking, wow, my God's omniscient. This is so true. He knows that. He knows all, all our hearts at one time. Let's look at 1 Chronicles 28. 1 Chronicles 28. 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 29. Chapter 28, sorry. 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. Chapter 28, verse 9. The Bible says, And thou... Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. That should be all of us right there. We should serve God with a perfect heart and a willing mind. That's submission to God. Okay, so go on. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. That is scary. God knows our hearts. He knows our imaginations. He knows our thoughts. And we, we should serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind. That means we should submit to God and do everything he tells us to do. And here's a, here's a good motivator because he knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. God knows everything in our hearts. He knows our imaginations. He knows every thought we have. That's pretty scary, right? So when Jonah was told to do something by God, God already knew he wasn't going to do it, right? He knew that long before Jonah had that idea of, I'm not going there. I'm going over here, right? God knows. Let's look at Job 31. Job 31. Job 31. 
Job chapter 31, verse 4, the Bible says, Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? So God knows everything. He knows what you're going to do. He knows where you're going to go long before you ever have the idea. He already knows. Are you going to submit to him and follow him? He knows. Are you going to rebel against him and fight against him? He knows. So why not just follow him? Why don't just be obedient, right? He already knows. Let's look at Ezekiel 11. Ezekiel 11. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ezekiel 11, in verse 5, the Bible says, And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon men and said unto me, Speak, thus saith the Lord, Thus have you said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. Here's the scary part. Every one of them. God knows every single thought that comes into your minds. Scary, huh? Maybe you start thinking right. You think right if you would draw closer to Christ. Let's look at Luke 16, 15. If this is not scary enough for you. Luke 16, 15. The Bible says, and this is Jesus talking. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That is very scary. Think about that verse. It says, right there, it says, you, ju you justify yourselves. You're trying to justify yourselves in your evil, wicked ways, in your rebellion against God, and your refusal to submit to Him, in your evil little thoughts, in your evil little heart. You're trying to justify that to God. No, God knows the heart of everyone and he even knows who we think we are. I mean, who, he even knows who we think are great in this world, right? And you think about it, there's lots of people we think are great, but God calls them an abomination, okay? Some of the things that this world considers acceptable by men, not just men and women, people, okay? Those are an abomination to God, Right? Think about that. Do you think abortion is a good idea? God doesn't think so. But there's a whole group of people that fight you tooth and nail for their right to choose to kill a baby. Right? How about the uh, same-sex marriage? It's law now. It's legal. So some fools think that's a good idea. God says, I know your evil heart. That's an abomination. So what's in your heart? Do you have things that are in your heart that are abomination? Maybe not submitting to God, rebelling against him, fighting against him? Not a good thing, right? Not a good thing. Let's look at one more verse. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And then I want to talk about these things we've read. Acts chapter 1, verse 24. The Bible says, And they prayed and said, Thou Lord, right? which knoweth the hearts of all men, show whether these two 
thou hast chosen. That submission right there. They're telling God, look at our hearts. You tell us who you have chosen, not who we want. Not who we want to be the next disciples, right? You tell us who you've chosen, right? And it says, they, it says um, they looked in their hearts. He knows their heart, right? God knows everything. God is omniscient. God knows what is inside of every single heart in this auditorium today. He knows the, what's inside of every single heart on this earth today. And he knows it all at the same time. It's instantaneous, right? He is omniscient. God knows everything we think. God knows everything we say. God knows everything we do. And he knows why we think what we think. He knows why we say what we say. He knows the intents. He knows the meanings. And he knows why we do what we do. So why not submit yourselves to God and follow him completely? Why not? He already knows what you're doing because this is omniscience. This is the one true holy God that knows everything. And if you're, if you're sitting in a church today or sitting in Sunday school or sitting in service later and there's a message that's brought to you, why not obey it? Why be in rebellion to God? That's not a good place. That's called an abomination. God doesn't like a rebellion to him, right? You're putting other things above him. And that's a dangerous place to be, okay? So think about this omniscience that God has that we've talked about. Think about this. That omniscience, what if your pastor had that? Would you be scared then? Because you're not scared of God. Because you keep living your life the way you are. What about this? This omniscience that God has? What if your spouse had that? Ouch. Would you be hurting? Would you be scared? What if your parents had that? Children? That'd be pretty scary, wouldn't it? It's a good thing that God's the only one that has that omniscience. Now we need to really um, look at our God in a different light. He's omniscient. He's holy. He's the creator of everything. Maybe we should submit and follow him. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today, Lord. And I thank you for this, this moment. To just, Lord, just open your word and just to think about you being omniscient, Lord, and, and just being being so great and wonderful and true. And, and Lord, there's just, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing failing with you there's nothing faltering with you as they are with us lord and i ask you to lord just help us draw closer to you today lord to let us hear hear more of your word in, in just a little bit in, in in the sermon that's coming lord and and tonight lord let us meet back together and hear hear preaching that will change our lives lord and god i ask you lord that as we enter this new new year lord that it be a an actual new year that we're new creatures in Christ and and we act like it and we we reverence you and, and your omniscience Lord in our lives Lord and I ask you just to be with us and keep us safe today in Jesus name I pray amen